The Start On Demand. On demand. On Monday, Manitoba recorded its lowest COVID case count since last September, so things are still going in the right direction here. But south of the border in the United States, the Delta variant is overwhelming hospitals with unvaccinated patients. So we'll delve a little bit more into what's going on there. Big news from the Blue Bombers today. The Grey Cup banner is going to be unveiled at the home opener on August 5th. And we had a lot of fun talking about naps. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's on vacation. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, July 27th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation, and I know, G-Mac, you're excited. You were chatting with the boys down the hall about this busy Monday night for the Winnipeg Jets after being awfully quiet during draft weekend. Yes, indeed, Brett, and uh, it was difficult to actually to get to sleep last night because two different times... One of my boys ran into the bedroom. Dad, the Jets, the Jets re-signed Paul Stastny. That had been, re- rumor had been circulating in the afternoon. So that was made official. 3.75, one year, $3.75 million one year contract for, for Stastny. And then later on in the evening, the Jets announced they had acquired defenseman Brendan Dillon in a trade with the Washington Capitals. Dillon is a big guy. He'll fill a real hole in that top four of the Jets' defense. So this is in advance tomorrow at 11 a.m. Restricted and unrestricted free agents become available to uh, to all teams, and the Jets got out in front of it by acquiring Dylan. They traded their second pick in uh, second round pick in 2022-2023 to the Capitals in exchange for Dylan. So it's a, a a big deal for the Jets. He's got a three year uh, term still left on his contract. Average three point nine million dollars uh, per season. He's thirty years old and uh, just had a little bit more intrigue into that. Acquisition Dylan, in fact, played two uh, seasons with the Capitals before stops with Dallas and San Jose. This is where the intrigue comes. Dylan was a teammate of current Jet Dylan DeMello, who the Jets were fearful they might lose to the Seattle Kraken. So some speculating maybe Dylan DeMello will play with Brendan Dillon <laughs> on defense with the Jets this year. So uh, a, a busy a busy uh, few hours for the Winnipeg Jets yesterday afternoon. So does that set up some branding or merchandise possibilities, the dynamic Dillons or, uh, you know, something more clever? I don't know. Well, you've got Brendan Dillon DeMello, and then, of course, you've got Col- uh, Kyle Connor Hellebuck. So you've got... <laughs> You got two situations like that on the Jets. <laughs> That's great. So let's work on something. Okay, let's, let's make it. Let's 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 make a pitch. <laughs> so that's some exciting news for the Winnipeg Jets, and of course, Cam Poitras has more Jets at noon from twelve until twelve thirty, and throughout the morning at twenty-five after the hour. Also, you have flagged an email 
that you received from Brenly as it pertains to uh, what we were talking about yesterday on uh, impulse shopping. Yeah, you know, and it, this was just uh, too late for the contest, as our listener Brenly said, but I wanted to share it because it, it was pretty funny. As Brenly um, walks us through this, she said she was 19 and dating my then, uh, my then boyfriend. I went with him out to Emerson to the auction of all the contents of his grandfather's house. He was moving to a nursing home. I'd never been to an auction before and watched in horror as boxes of what seemed like all his worldly possessions sold for a fraction of what they were worth. It was the saddest thing I'd ever seen. I felt like the bidders were vultures just trying to grab his stuff for pennies on the dollar. The benefit of age has now shown me that that was just youthful naivete. Anyway, as the day went on, I became more and more distressed. Finally, the furniture came up and an old horsehair sofa came up. Think of the kind that would fit in at the old spaghetti factory. That was the end of it for me. The bidding started at $25 and I felt so sad for that couch that nobody wanted it. And so sad for that grandpa that I immediately blurted out, $50! Of course, I won the bid because, well, it stopped and I didn't have that kind of money with me. And I ended up borrowing from the boyfriend's mom. I paid double that to bring it into the city by transfer service and then had to deal with my parents who neither wanted it or had anywhere to put it. That impulse buy definitely wasn't my last, but it was the first time I bought anything because I felt sorry for it. <laughs> that, you know what? I appreciate her noble intentions there. She felt bad for the for the grandpa. That's yeah, the, the fact that... She thought, oh, this stuff has got to be worth something, and it's just going for nothing, for pennies on the dollar. I think that's awfully sweet of her. And, uh, and But she did, learned a, a hard lesson there, having to, what am I going to do to pay for this? I'm going to get this back. Where am I going to put it? Curious to know what the fate was. Did you learn the, the ultimate fate? That is all I have, Brett. I've failed on the journalistic front. <laughs> I, I did not respond to Brindley's email to find out further where the horsehair sofa is now. If you happen to own that horsehair sofa, we would like to hear from you. You failed on the journalistic front. That's why Loren McNabb is part of the team, because neither of us are journalists. I'm just a sh People sometimes say, criticize me on social media or whatever, and say, Oh, is that how a good journalist speaks anymore? And I, I just say, who said I was a journalist? Never proclaimed to be one of those. I'm just a radio guy. I'm just here to have some fun while we share vital information with you. So, Brenly, thank you very much for that feedback. And, of course, we do have a lot of information on the COVID front, uh, particularly as it I mean, some, some good news in Manitoba, and we'll have more on that at 637, the lowest case count since last September as we inch towards a post-pandemic Manitoba. But as we have alluded to, we spoke about this yesterday, and you guys spoke about it last week that there is some major concern about the situation, Greg, in the U.S. of A. Yeah, Florida is one of the states where cases are skyrocketing. Uh, the number of people in hospital, the number of people in intensive care units is also on the rise in a dramatic fashion. Several uh, large jurisdictions taking action. California saying that all Healthcare workers and state workers will have to be vaccinated by August 2nd. 
That's just in a few days' time. Otherwise, they'll need to go through uh, mandatory testing for COVID-19. New York City is giving its workers a little bit longer to get uh, COVID uh, vaccination compliant uh, mid-September. And then the same thing will happen there. If you don't have a vaccine and you can't prove that you're double vaccinated, you'll have to undergo some testing. So we will uh, explore a couple of different sides of that conversation. And and what does it mean for, for Canada? And uh, how should we be looking at this? As Manitoba inches closer towards hitting that 80% of those 12 and up with one COVID-19 vaccine, the province's top doctor says there will be a move towards recommendations, Greg, instead of rules. Yeah, Global's Brittany Greenslade has more on what a post-pandemic Manitoba could look like. Okay, one, two, three. For more than 16 months, most Manitobans have done what public health officials have asked of them, from masking up to closing up all in an effort to curb COVID-19. Dr. Brent Rusin says with high vaccination rates, we're turning a corner. We're getting more and more Manitobans vaccinated with each passing day, and which means we're getting closer and closer to a post-pandemic Manitoba with each passing day. That Manitoba is one with fewer restrictions and more recommendations. Guidelines that could include the suggestion of wearing a mask when you can't distance, continuing to wash your hands and staying home when you're sick. It will be up to us to, uh, uh, to follow public health guidance, to um, accept the, the level of risk that we may be um, personally willing to accept. Um, but moving forward, again, uh, we're moving away from public health restrictions, uh, more to public health guidelines and recommendations. Moving into flu season, new testing guidelines can be expected, but what those will look like are still to be determined. Pre-pandemic, uh, we didn't do a lot of testing, right? Most people uh, with respiratory illness um, go undiagnosed. They're managed uh, expectantly, managed uh, just uh, at home. Uh, and so as we move forward, we're going to have to uh, make some decisions on, uh, um, on testing recommendations. Rusin says a post-pandemic Manitoba doesn't mean a post-COVID one. And if there's another wave, it's likely to impact a certain section of the population. It's going to be with us through the fall. We're going to see transmission um, occurring mostly within the unvaccinated. Uh, and then we're going to see severe outcomes, um, you know, almost exclusively in the unvaccinated. Rusin says they'll continue to loosen restrictions province-wide, but they're keeping an eye on areas with lower vaccination rates, which could see localized public health orders if needed. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. Now, yesterday, Manitoba saw its lowest daily case count since last September. 11 new cases were identified, only three of them in Winnipeg. The five-day test positivity rate is at 3% provincially and down to 1.8% here in the city. There are 110 people currently in a hospital, 26 in intensive care. No deaths were reported. And at last check, 78.7% of eligible Manitobans have now received their first vaccine dose, while 66.5% are fully vaccinated. That's obviously a pretty good number. We're trying to get to 80% with uh, with the first dose and 75% fully vaccinated 
by Labor Day. And I don't know what those numbers are going to mean in terms of Manitoba's uh, immunity towards COVID-19, but it does meet another level of opening based on what the province has told us. And it's anticipated we will get to those levels uh, earlier than September, long weekend, Labor Day weekend. So that'll be fascinating. But Brett, also fascinating to me is how many more jurisdictions might follow Manitoba's lead and bring in QR code verification, bring in a vaccination card, because we're seeing these variants of concern spreading across the United States. We mentioned it earlier. We will talk about it at 7.05 and at 8.05, the idea of more mandatory vaccinations in terms of going to work in the city of New York City. By the middle of September, city workers will have to be vaccinated or undergo mandatory COVID-19 testing. The same thing is happening in California starting next week. So we could be seeing more and more of that throughout the United States and here in Manitoba. I don't know what your experience has been like, Brett, but I've been getting out there and and trying to do more things over the last uh, week or so. And as much as I am proud of uh, how our vaccination numbers are going and impressed with the system that's been implemented with the QR codes and the cards, I'm a little disappointed at how many places are not actually checking those cards or QR codes. What's your experience been? Yeah, I've been a little surprised at that. I've been to a, a handful of places. Like the, the place that I frequent regularly, the pub, they are, they are super vigilant and diligent on getting contact information uh, and, and pulling out their phones and using the app. Uh, and, for, and just as a sidebar, in case you're wondering, like if you've tried to check your own QR code, doesn't like because if you just hold your phone camera up to a QR code, it's supposed to take you somewhere, right? It usually will trigger something and it'll take you to a website, right? Uh, but it doesn't tell you anything on your own phone. There's an app for it, so they, they'll pull out this app and then they'll scan your QR code and then it pops up with your name and it says immunized or vaccinated. I can't remember what it says, and that's it. That's all it shows. But so I've been to some places where they're super diligent, and I've been to others where I came in, sat down. They said, table for two. I said, yep, they'll be here soon. And then they just said, you're fully vaccinated, right? Yep, okay. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I think in one, in one sense, I sort of appreciate, you know, there's a level of trust there. But at the same time, if, if they're not checking, then I guess anybody could potentially walk in and just say, yep, I'm vaccinated. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, I served tables for a long time. That, in my mind, would be the equivalent of going up to the table. Are you 18? Yes, I'm 18. (laughs) And that's the end of that. Good point. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation. Earlier, we shared Brenly's email about buying a couch she felt sorry for. Yeah, now a clip from the second Best Friends episode featuring a couch. Now look, that was the best nap I ever had. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Come on, admit it. That was the best nap you ever had. I've had better. Okay, when? All right, all right, it was the best nap ever. I said it, okay? But it's over, Joey. (laughs) So Joey and Ross would purposefully take at least one more couch nap together on the yellow couch that I was referring to yesterday. And by the way, Brett, the best couch episode uh, of Friends features one word. Pivot! 
<laughs> pivot! Pivot! <laughs> so we're talking about naps. Because I took a nap on my balcony yesterday, my apartment balcony. I've got one of those zero-gravity chairs. I see Gary texting us. Also says, naps. Apparently, I like napping outside in a zero-gravity chair. Uh, they send a pic of... Uh, Passed out in the chair on at the campground on Saturday. So we want to ask you at 204-780-6868, where's the best spot you've ever taken a nap? What are some of the best naps you've ever had? Tell us a story for a chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza, and we'll give it away just after 9.15. Let's go around the horn here. Uh, Jeff Braun, why don't we start with you, sir? Yeah, um, for me, I can only nap on a, a bed or a couch. I, I can't nap at airports or on a plane or a train or an automobile. Uh, traveling is just a no-go for me for naps. And so it's, it's, it's frustrating because like I've, I've spent 36 hours awake and still couldn't fall asleep on an airplane. But uh, for me, the good naps are during the week, the naps are a necessity because we work early. But that Saturday afternoon nap, if I get up early on a Saturday morning and get some stuff done and feel like I've accomplished something, that the Saturday afternoon nap is by far the best nap ever. I just because uh, you can just drift in and out with no regard for what time it may be. It doesn't matter. You got nothing else to do. It's just, that's the sweet spot. And when you take that particular nap, do you, is, is it just like, I'm going to sleep as long as I sleep or do you set an alarm? Nope. Just, I'm going to just sleep as long as I sleep. It doesn't matter. And okay. that's, that's the best way to do it. Portress? Well, if I set an alarm for a nap, I will never, ever sleep because I'll just be constantly looking at the clock and like, oh, I only got 45 minutes. I only got 35 minutes left. I only got a half hour. I'll never be able to go to sleep if I ever set an alarm. So I have to just, if I'm going to take a nap, I got to just go for it. But I, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of like Jeff. I only ever sleep on a, on a couch, uh, a nap on a couch or, or in a bed. Maybe ask me doing mornings for another 10 years or something like that. I'll probably be passing out all over the place. But um, when I was, uh, when I worked in like wild, wild, wild west, radio all over the place in western canada like there was people napping all over the place you'd have guys in the control room falling asleep they'd fall asleep in the middle of a song uh you'd 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 uh you you you'd wonder where the guy was and then you'd go and say isn't somebody supposed to be on the air right now you'd walk around and there was a couch in the front and there was a guy passed out asleep on there uh so uh, that's those like it was like it was an every week occurrence that somebody just had fallen asleep somewhere. Uh, there's a lot, several reasons as to why that is. You can probably imagine, but uh, no, I, I'm pretty good. But I've witnessed a lot of crazy naps. I used to use tanning beds uh, in my early 20s, and I always liked when I got up to the maximum time they would allow, which was 20 minutes, I think, or 22 minutes, because then if I could if I could fall manage to fall asleep in those first couple of minutes. Then I, that was a great nap because that's a relaxing spot. You're in this warm cocoon. But the worst was when you <laughs> fell asleep cocoon. at like minute 17, right? So you wake, you fall asleep with like two or three minutes to go and then the lights turn out and you're like, oh, I just want to sit here for another half an hour <laughs> and sleep. What about you, Greg? Oh, boy, you know I can nap just about anywhere. I've slept and fallen asleep here, there, and everywhere, including, uh, well, maybe not right at this chair, but certainly a number of chairs at 680 CJOB over the years. And, and you've caught me dozing for sure, uh, all out sleep. But I guess one of the more embarrassing ones would have to be the time I was holding Brendan, uh, feeding him a bottle. And uh, the boys were on a three-hour eating schedule, two boys, and uh, not getting much sleep. And uh, the only reason I woke up is because uh, Brendan's uh, head, I would guess, uh, bounced off the floor because I dropped him as I was feeding him. Oh, my gosh. Asleep. So, yeah, so that's uh, the most ill-advised nap that I've ever taken. <laughs> 
Wow. Maybe not the best. I'm sure you're not the only person who's ever done that. Oh, no. Jackie admitted years later I'd beaten myself up for years and years. And then one night at the at the lake, uh, she confessed that she had dropped. Uh, well, hers was even worse. She says, I dropped one of them and I don't remember which one. <laughs> <laughs> look at their uh, look at their report cards. You can figure it out, <laughs> Mister Forte. What about you? I'm um, you no. Know, I'm not much of a napper. Um, although I did have one yesterday, but the, there's one time, and it, this is pretty dangerous. I uh, fell asleep in the bath. You know, just just like the tanning bed. You get really really comfortable. You're all nice and warm in the water, and I've just you know just fell asleep for about ten minutes. And you woke up feeling refreshed. Yeah. I was all wet and everything, so it's good. Good. It was well, good. Mackling, I'm the same as you, man. I fall I almost fell asleep yesterday morning during the show. <laughs> several times. Well, you were probably listening to me. No. <laughs> I was putting you to sleep. <laughs> Come on. No, it was just yeah, yesterday was a rough morning coming back from the, the weekend uh, debauchery in Minnesota. You had the low Mapua. voice. You had that low, raspy voice yesterday yeah. in the dairy. Yeah, I was quite I, I was actually pretty happy about that, but I was <laughs> I was very tired yesterday morning. But yeah, I've fallen asleep in meetings at work, some of the best naps I've ever taken have been in meetings at work so we need you to tell us a story at 204-780-6868 where is the best spot you've ever taken a nap tell us about one of the best naps you've ever had or if you want to go the other way and tell us about the worst 204-780-6868 20 gift certificate for santa lucia pizza up for grabs we'll give it away just after 9 15 Mackling and McGarry McNabb's on vacation at 204-780-6868. We're asking you to tell us about the best spot where you took a nap or the best naps you ever had. Russell, for example, says the best place I had a nap in was the theater at Grand Park, Landmark <laughs> Cinemas. Those chairs are just so comfortable. The room's so dark. Rocket Man was playing, and with the music and everything else, I just went into a deep, deep nap, la-la land. I don't know how long I was out, but I was jabbed awake by my wife, who said I was disturbing the whole audience by my loud snoring. But that was the best nap ever. So, so good. I fell asleep, oddly enough, like during a really intense action scene in Mission Impossible, the last Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> In that theater. Yes. And I have no idea how. Like, I just woke up to Tom Cruise running, and then I fell back asleep, and I woke up again, and he was still running. Just so much running. So but how I, long was that nap I think in like, actuality? I like, think like 30 minutes. I missed like some crucial details. I woke up. I had no idea what was happening. I had to wait until I could rent it and watch it again. So I guess the Couch Potatoes was shorter review that week, or what? <laughs> Thankfully, Jeff had already seen oh, it. Oh, so. marvelous. Hey, speaking <laughs> of being uh, awoken, awakened, uh, woken up from your nap, Bonnie says naps. As a former shift worker, naps were many. One morning, I lie down about well, 11 a.m. for a nap and woke up to my neighbor's phoning to see if I was going to come and get my child from school. It was 3.45. You think I had learned my lesson, but no, it happened again. Same neighbor. Needless to say, I cannot nap without an alarm. The boys went to uh, their very first dance at St. Mary's Academy a couple of years ago, okay. and it was on a Friday. I drove them, and I was to pick them up at 10 o'clock oh, no. at night. And uh, at 10.30, they came into the house. They had had to phone another one of our friends to come and pick them up because I was fast asleep. I was sleeping through my phone. I missed it completely. I was in a tiny bit of trouble. 
needless to say. <laughs> and Derek says best naps is when you're at physio, when the heat goes on the back, you got your own little room with a curtain, they shut mm. the lights off above you, usually you have a radio on quiet, multiple naps have been had nice. at physio, also caught myself snoring multiple times. So... 204-780-6868. Tell us a story about a great nap, or maybe if you want to go the other way, a lousy nap. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on vacation. Before we do what we normally do, Tuesdays at 737, I just got a panic text from Greg Mackling that says, Check out Thomas in Missouri's story. Greg, what's Thomas in Missouri's story? Well, you're the big wrestling fan, so I think I need you to look at it because I don't know how to say this wrestler's name. Okay, let me take a look here. Here's an app I forgot about until your conversation this morning because we're asking you to tell us about a, tell us a story about an app that you took. Good one, bad one, whatever. I was flying back from a week in Las Vegas and decided to stay up the entire night before my 6 a.m. flight to Minneapolis. I crammed my six-foot-eight frame into the window seat. That was assigned to me. And the next thing I know, I woke up with my head on the shoulder of former WWE wrestler Nidia. And I'm just Googling Nidia now because that name rings a bell. Nidia, yes, so she was a wrestler with a company until 2004. So he wakes up with his head on the shoulder of the wrestler, Nydia, with drool running down my face. (laughs) (laughs) I was embarrassed. She was nice. It was a very awkward ride for the rest of the flight for me. Thomas, thank you for sharing that story. (laughs) I thought you would get a kick out of that because Nydia, that meant nothing to me. And Thomas in Missouri, that's the first text from him since Christmas time. Thomas, a very loyal listener all the way down I-29 to the start. Wow. So thank you very much for that, Thomas. Keep your stories coming. I see we've got a good one from Dan. We'll share that one for you soon. But in the meantime, it's Tuesday, just after 730. What's that mean, Mr. Forte? It means breakfast with a bomber is brought to you by the cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca. A better place for you. Nine days and counting. Nine days! The Winnipeg Blue Bombers will face the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the first game of the 2021 CFL season next Thursday, August 5th. Here is Bob Irving. We have a text here. Sort of expresses the feeling of a lot of fans. This is from Nick, and all he said, I'm reading it verbatim. He says, all I can say... I have funny feelings in my stomach and chest every time I hear you talking with Coach O'Shea. I am so excited for 2021. It's great to hear that from fans, isn't it? Oh, I'm telling you, the players, they just can't wait. Um, I mean, it's just so exciting for them to know that there's going to be fans in the stands and it's going to be, well, I mean, we hope it's going to be a a full house, that's for sure. Um, And what a great event uh, you know, basically kick off the CFL season, um, you know, playing Hamilton at home. So what, what, what the, some of the young players are just going to be blown away by how loud our fans are. And we're looking forward to uh, them starting off uh, 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 another great year of creating uh, chaos for the opposition. Well, and, and as you know, Mike, you've been here long enough. Bomber fans are very passionate, and they've been waiting. 
since you won the Grey Cup in 2019. They've been waiting for this moment to kind of let it out and celebrate. So I can just imagine how how they feel about all this. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very emotional start, and it's really important that, you know, as as players and of coaches that we, um, you know, accept that emotion and try and uh, keep it in check and, you know, get out there and do our job. Sure. Um, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. That is head coach Mike O'Shea, the Blue Bombers, from last night, the first Blue Bombers coaches show since November 25th, 2019, the evening following the Blue Bombers claiming their 11th Grey Cup championship in Calgary. Ed Tight of BlueBombers.com joins us now. Ed is, of course, a big part of our game day coverage here on 680 CJOB as well. Good morning, Ed. Morning, fellas. How are you? Doing really well. Uh, you know, Coach O'Shea, you could hear the excitement in his voice, but also doing his best to temper things as he, he expressed his excitement about next week. What are you hearing from the players in anticipation of Game 1? Well, I think uh, when the announcement was made that, uh, you know, the the stadium would be open to fans, a, a lot of guys are we're excited about that. We're at the sort of the dog days of camp right now, Greg, where guys are just trying to survive and get through. And I think by this weekend, when the team is, you know, more or less selected and the final cuts are made, then that starts the, uh, the sprint towards the opener and guys will be getting a little bit more excited. I think right now there's quite a few of them that are on the bubble or thinking about, I got to make this team first before they start, you know, really fixating on August 5th, as exciting as it's going to be. And some exciting news just unveiled uh, this morning, Ed, mm-hmm. as it pertains to the banner. Yeah, the banner, we thought this might happen, but uh, as I, I heard uh, Wade uh, with you guys last week, he said stay tuned while the news just came out today that the Great Cup banner will be raised on August 5th. And so uh, that's been a long time coming too. So that's going to be a, a real special part of, uh, about uh, the first game on the 5th is it'll take a few mom- moments to uh, – relive what happened in 2019 and it's the best way to start off a season isn't it as great cup champions and to see that banner raised well i followed the team closely when i was younger 84 88 90 i don't remember them ever doing anything like that ed so this will be a first time for me as well so very excited about that we got to ask you about nick Demsky. he's been such a big part of the Blue Bombers offense over the past several seasons. Is he poised to be an even larger part of the Blue Bomber offense this year? It sure seems like it, Greg. You know, when uh, when you're at practice here in training camp, a couple guys really stand out. And it's not surprising that the veterans are standing out, but Kenny Lawler and Nick Dembski, just every day they're, they're making some sort of spectacular catcher. They really seem to have developed – that chemistry with Zach Kolaris that's so important. And uh, Nick, uh, as everybody remembers, in November of 2019, he he really found another gear for the Bombers and was just spectacular, both carrying the ball and catching the ball in the playoffs. And I think that he spoke the other day about uh, him growing his game, and I, I, we're seeing evidence of it already again in training camp. And if if that's the case, then can, and he becomes even more of a weapon, then that receiving core could be pretty deadly. 
And we know the veteran talent this team possesses. The roster mm-hmm. continuity is something this team should be super proud of in, in our view. Uh, now, we know that you spoke with uh, Janarian Grant the other day, so uh, we want to be careful not to retur- refer to him as kick returner Janarian Grant because he sees himself as more, doesn't he? He does. There's a guy that could uh, get some more reps in the offense. We saw in the, even in the Grey Cup, he had a carry and end around and uh, Charles Nelson's another guy like that too, that uh, sees himself as more than just a returner. And I think we're going to see some wrinkles like that in Buck Pierce's offense that uh, some of those guys that they can take advantage of mismatches and their speed is going to be evident. Charles Nelson was a spectacular player at Oregon. Uh, Janarian Grant's kind of been penciled in as a, as a, returner only but he he wants his touches too and you know we mentioned that the other vets the entire receiving core is back there's some really talented young guys in camp too so buck pierce has got a lot of guys that are a lot of weapons to work with here and i think that's pretty exciting and janarian grant could be among them uh, before we let you go here ed any names of newcomers who might stick you've been featuring a few of them on bluebombers.com uh, some of the some of the players who are vying positions or vying for positions here. Who, who do you think we might see on opening day or maybe at least stick around on the practice roster and see later on in the season? Give us a couple names to watch. Yeah, they made some more cuts yesterday to get down around 79, 80 players. So there's still some more to go, Greg. But um, with Darvin Adams has been nicked up in camp and Rashid Bailey missed a few days. So a, a guy named Carlton Agadosi, who's a six foot six receiver, Whoa. he's getting a lot of work. Um, Brandon, uh, Blake Jackson, uh, pardon me, had been popping off the page a bit, but he got hurt the other day. So I'm not sure about him still waiting for Cam Meredith, the former NFL to, to step up. And then on defense, there's a ton of uh, guys in the secondary that they're still looking at, even after cutting a bunch the other day. So Deatric Nichols is a guy to, that you might want to remember that name. And there's a few other. Mazzy uh, Wilkins is another cornerback that they're taking a look at. So there's still some work to do before we we can say who's made the team or not. But there are a lot of newcomers that are making the coaches' uh, decisions pretty difficult. Thank you, Ed. We appreciate it always. Right on, guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a good day, okay? We will. And, of course, uh, Brett McGarry is bringing you the news from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. August 5th, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will, in fact, unveil the 2019 Grey Cup Championship banner at IG Field prior to kickoff in their game, their season opening game against Hamilton. Brett, we had Wade on the on the breakfast with the Bombers last week, and I said, if I see that announcement <laughs> made with anybody else, we're going to have a chat, Wade Miller. So... Uh, the fact that he didn't do it anywhere else and just came in the form of an email, I think we're okay. Yeah, that's right. Fans are encouraged as well to arrive early to make sure they are in their seats for the 7.30 p.m. banner unveiling. The gates are going to open 90 minutes before kickoff. They're going to have pregame party specials from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., including $5 cans of Molson Coors and Molson Coors Light, $3 fountain drinks, and a live performance by the new Blue Bombers house band led by Jennifer Hansen. And you can get more at bluebombers.com. We've linked that full news release to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. We would love for you to follow us there as well. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on holidays. 
New numbers from Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service show the need for naloxone is not slowing down. Just confirming, Greg, we're in different rooms. We're both working on stuff off air. We're doing that at 8.50 today. We're going to bring more details on that. Our friends at Global News Morning had a conversation with Winnipeg Police just a few moments ago. So we will share some of that audio with you. Uh, and anecdotally, I've heard some really distressing things about the need for naloxone, also known uh, as Narcan. It's uh, an antidote that helps uh, people get over or get through an overdose situation. So we'll share those details with you coming up at 8.50 and through the day on 680 CJOB. But in the meantime... We do want to share with you, as promised, Dan's story that he shared with us on text on a nap. This is really awesome. Uh, This wasn't my nap, but a funny story. This was just before COVID, and my son at the time was seven. I was taking him to his first concert, Kiss, in Grand Forks. He had a hockey game in Winnipeg at 11 a.m. We drove to Grand Forks right after We were telling him to try and nap in the car, but he was just too excited. He made it through David Lee Roth opening and the first two or three Kiss songs before he crashed. I would wake him up for songs like God of Thunder so he could see the blood or fire and such and made sure he he saw the last song. He saw all his favorites and loved the show. We zipped back to Winnipeg the next morning for his 4 p.m. hockey game. It turns out my son thought at a concert they only play his six or so favorite songs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he loved the trip and played well in his games. Funny place to nap, but a great memory. It at is. a Kiss concert, are you kidding me? It is funny. Some of the places where you can just fall asleep and manage to stay Asleep, or the things that we can sleep through. I know my buddy Mike, uh, who might be listening right now, he always loves to laugh at me because I used to live with him. He had a house in Transcona. I lived in the basement, and he was downstairs on the computer, and he could hear my alarm going off. (laughs) And it went off for an hour because I, I, at the time, I had rigged my alarm clock in a bag that zipped up and I hid it behind my dresser and it was really awkward to get behind there. It was just uh, like narrow or wide enough that I could reach back there, but it was tight enough that it was a pain. And I did that because in order to, by the time, because sometimes I would wake up, turn my alarm off and just go right back to sleep. It was like I hadn't even been jarred awake. So I figured I'll do this. It's an obstacle course. It's enough to get me up and get me moving. Well, I just, I woke up. And I thought, that's not worth it. And I fell back asleep. No. <laughs> and I t- I slept through that for an hour. And uh, he had to put up with it. He could hear it the entire time, I suspect. Yeah, I think he actually kept a count of uh, how many times the, the, it went off. So keep your stories coming <laughs> at 204-780-6868. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb's on vacation. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. As a possible federal election looms, which issue is most top of mind for you? And so far at cjob.com, this question up went yesterday. 34% say affordability slash cost of living. 30% the economy. 14% health care. 14% COVID-19 pandemic. And 7% climate change. Cast your vote at cjob.com. 
On April 15th, the Canadian press published an article written by Winnipeg writer Kelly Geraldine Malone. The headline, Nothing to be Envious About. Experts caution against following U.S. lead on COVID. And quoted in that article, Brett, our next guest, Cynthia Carr, epidemiologist and founder of Epi Research here in Winnipeg. And Cynthia said this at that time, we should not be envious of the United States and we should not emulate their public health approach to this pandemic. The last couple weeks is not indicative of the overall experience in the United States. Car caution, that does not mean Canadians have a reason to let down their guard. Here we are, 103 days since that article was published and the parts of the United, parts of the U.S. are scrambling against the Delta variant. Uh, uh, good morning, uh, Cynthia. Good morning. It's really difficult to look at what's going on in the U.S. with the, out the knowledge or with the knowledge it was almost entirely preventable. Absolutely. Um, you know, and that is absolutely the tragedy that so many um, deaths and cases of COVID-19 uh, this far past, uh, you know, our ability to uh, become vaccinated are absolutely preventable. And in fact, in some areas of the United States, their new case rates are approaching the levels they saw in January, which is where we were just starting vaccination rollout. And with all of this time since then, because of the, you know, large pockets in different areas uh, that are not being vaccinated, um, they're just um, going kind of backward in progress and letting these variants uh, take hold that are highly infectious. California and New York City are bringing in versions of mandatory vaccinations for certain workers, and San Francisco bars are requiring proof of vaccination to sit indoors. Do you think we're going to start to see more of this throughout the U.S.? Uh, certainly the conversation is there with good reason. And for example, you just mentioned California. In Los Angeles right now, the unvaccinated population has seen a three-fold increase in transmission of COVID-19 in just one month. So they're, you know, honing in on data to look at the rates of uh, infection and poor outcomes in the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. And there's absolutely no question about the uh, risk amongst the unvaccinated population. And unfortunately, what happens is when you have large groups of people that are unvaccinated, that's going to let these variants uh, that are highly infectious just spread like wildfire and then create more risk amongst people that even though we're fully vaccinated, no vaccine is perfect. And those people could then become uh, infected. And even if they don't end up in hospital, uh, they could still then pass it on to someone else. So this is a very dangerous situation. The more uh, people you have together that are unvaccinated. Cynthia, for those of us that are maybe just now paying attention to this in the last three, four, five days or so, uh, unlike uh, those of you, epidemiologists and others who study this and have been keeping a close eye on it, should this be a cause for concern with regard to the plans of the Canadian government to welcome fully vaccinated Americans into Canada? Should Canada take a second look at this decision? I still think that uh, the data that we are looking at shows that fully uh, vaccinated people are at, vi at 
very low risk of uh, transmitting this virus. Um, so uh, certainly uh, I have no problem with that being a place to start uh, as long as, you know, there's proper documentation required uh, to show proof of, uh, you know, two weeks past uh, being, you know, second shot or your first if it's Johnson & Johnson in the States. Should Canada press pause on its plans to allow American travelers into the country? As I said, I, I don't really have a problem with that as long as they're fully uh, vaccinated. I, I think that, you know, the science is showing that's why we're doing this uh, so that we can kind of get back to normal. But it has to start with very specific uh, rules. And uh, I believe that has to start with fully vaccinated uh, people traveling uh, into our country only at this point. Cynthia, before we let you run here, one of the largest discrepancies between Canada and the U.S. for months had been uh, large crowds, in particular at uh, sporting events, at concerts and the like in Manitoba. As you know, opening these sorts of things up only to vaccinated people. Is there a potential for the U.S. to backtrack on some of these policies with regard to having these events open to everyone? Do you think you might see QR codes or proof of vaccination required to, to get into a say a hockey game starting in September, October? Well, certainly, again, you see amongst policy more commonly that that being in the conversation as a, a matter to pursue because uh, there are now cases where we're seeing that, you know, these are super spreader events where people are getting together in very massive groups without any layers of protection at all and uh, not being, uh, not necessarily being vaccinated. There's no proof required. And uh, at this point, again, with the speed at which this, this uh, Delta variant in particular is taking off in the States, they need to backtrack and start making mitigating quickly. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on holidays and Steve is texting us. He's working hard for the pizza gift card. He wants that Santa Lucia $20 gift card. He has sent us not one, not two, but three <laughs> stories <laughs> trying to harken back to the, uh, that was it the Tootsie pop owl. You oh, yes, that? of course. One, two, three. <laughs> and of course, Sh Steve, I suppose, comes from those Schweppes ginger ale commercials. Oh, <laughs> that's right. And I think Saturday Night Live had a sketch that involved sweaty stuff. Uh, um, Steve <laughs> says, my nap stories are legion. And I snore, allegedly. Once fell asleep at a rather large banquet at the convention center, back of the hall table, awoke to find that the guest speaker had stopped speaking and the entire hall, almost <laughs> a thousand people staring at me. My table friends never let me live that one oh down. Boy. And I missed the dinner the following year. LOL. Good story, Steve. <laughs> and we have another one we'll share with you in a little bit from Carrie Lynn. And uh, we told you a, a story about a young man's first Kiss concert. Yeah. Well, um, Steve might have fallen asleep in a room of a thousand people. How about a room with fifteen thousand people in it? Oh my goodness! Mm -hmm. Lots of great stories keep coming. Tell us about a nap for a chance to win. Now, as the economy continues its battle to rebound in Canada, we know that COVID has not been kind to women in the workforce. Yes, the women's labor force participation rate has hit the lowest level in over thirty years across Canada. And three Toronto entrepreneurs are responding with free support for female job seekers 
to fix the problem. Two of those entrepreneurs are taking time to join us this morning on The Start. We say good morning to Sue Christensen, co-founder of My Career Launch, a career coaching business focused on helping female job seekers who are looking to make a big leap do so in the most strategic way possible. Good morning to you, Sue. Good morning, everybody. How are you? We're wonderful. We appreciate you taking the time. No, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to speak with you this morning. Also with us, Lee Mitchell, female talent recruiter slash promoter and brand strategist. Hello there, Lee. Hi. So nice to be here. So as founder of Be Happy HR Co., Lee manages the client experience and builds buzz for diversity-driven brands. Be Happy HR, proudly known as the queen bees of recruiting and retaining women within workplaces. So, Lee, why have women in the workplace been disproportionately affected by COVID-19? Well, we, many women were in service industries uh, that were hit the hardest by the pandemic. And then in addition to that, there was family responsibilities around uh, school, uh, online school, and additional uh, things to, to work through. So uh, women just had a lot uh, against them in the workforce. And now we're finding that, uh, you know, we're ready for recovery. Sue, are we seeing a similar gap for women entrepreneurs and business owners? Absolutely. Um, The pandemic has a dramatic effect, as we all know, on business across the board. And um, to reiterate Lee's comment is that women found themselves often um, in a position having to juggle many responsibilities, often taking lead on primary homeschooling, care at the, in the home, moving the family to a work um, environment at home, as well as trying to manage their own businesses or hold down a job. And um, to the point with the retail industries or other industries which were predominantly staffed by women, those were often the jobs which were lost first as well. You know, so across the board, women have uh, been set back, as you said at the start, quite considerably by the pandemic. So what we want to do is to try and help recoup some of those losses. So, Lee, tell us about your she-covery plan. Yeah, thank you. So, um, we have developed a free support uh, to aid in the she-recovery. It's a rapid assessment tool, a seven-question strategic conversation to help women job seekers to get back to work sooner and to provide them with jobs with greater uh, advancement opportunities. So um, after trying it out with several friends and family and female clients, we're now motivated to uh, help job seekers return to the workforce through this this process. And uh, we're offering it free to uh, the first 100 women who uh, want this support, this strategic support. Well, we probably shouldn't, you know, uh, typically we will put out an email address or a way for people to get in touch. But, uh, Lee, you've sort of uh, forced us to ask you how to reach out right now since you have a limited quantity uh, of and a limited opportunity for women to get involved. How do they reach out? Yeah, so uh, we have a a landing page uh, with uh, some information about the program and an opportunity to sign up. So essentially what they'll do is... uh, 
they'll they'll go to the landing page, uh, enter their uh, email address, and then we'll be quickly sent to a link to select a date to have a conversation with uh, Sue or or Verity, and then they'll receive a an amazing report afterwards. Uh, so if we could provide that uh, landing page to the women uh, that are listening to this uh, broadcast, then, uh, yeah, we'll be able to help them. And we're really excited to do that. We've gotten some amazing feedback so far. You know, women just feeling like they're more confident after going through the assessment. And uh, as as uh, I mentioned, they get a report afterwards. So it's it's a really wonderful opportunity to to really narrow in on what, women want on their terms and th- just this uh, seven question conversation um it- it's not like you're not looking to sort of vet people as in in a way that where they you know, you say to them sorry we can't help you right it's just meant to kind of zero in on on which where they need assistance absolutely yeah. if i can jump in on that one um yeah good um, so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we use the phrase a strategic conversation. You know, everybody can um, undertake these seven questions assessment. The questions take approximately 15 minutes. But in those 15 minutes, the way the questions have been designed through this strategic conversation is that we can find information of where the women are at in their um, development of their um, job searching process. And then we can hone in on what's the best steps that they can next be taking to be really impactful and move the dial. We talk a lot about being strategic in the job searching. And it's really easy when you're caught up in the middle of it all to lose direction, lose your way. And just through these seven questions, we're able to refocus and to that report at the end, uh, we'll give some initial um, verbal uh, feedback there and then. And that's followed up by a written report on best steps to be taken, you know, where strengths are, where weaknesses lie, and how to work hard, uh, sorry, work smart, not hard, the wrong way around there, work smart, not hard. Well, you know, it can be difficult enough, Lee, for any one of us to get to a point in our career where we feel comfortable, where we feel confident. And then when you have to take a step away from it for whatever reason, to get back into the workforce, not even necessarily that same position that you walked away from or were forced to make a difficult decision about, there's going to be confidence issues, not to mention that position may simply not exist any longer. Yeah, that's such a good point. And also, uh, you know, there's flexible work now. Um, I think that those that don't offer those opportunities are going to find that they're, they're talking about the great resignation. So people that are going to resign if, if they're forced to uh, be in positions where they're not given flexibility. Um, there's a lot of talk about hybrid work where you know, giving employees opportunities to work both in an office, but also have the flexibility to work from home. And they've proven now that that's really uh, a great uh, method to to work in and that you are just as productive. So, you know, I, I think that uh, women, um, they've, they've been through a lot in, in this, but there's, there's room for us to really help them uh, get confident and yeah, you're right. It's not about telling them that they're, you know, not going to find the right positions. Uh, we actually have a vetted career board 
that we have employers that have signed up that really want to support women. So we hope to, you know, give them su- su- suggestions to uh, find great employers that understand what they that their needs are and help them to work on their own terms. And once again, uh, Sue, where do where does someone go if they want to check this out or give this a shot? Sure. The easiest way is to drop us an email, and then we can send the links. So the email address is ever so easy to remember. It's hello at mycareerlaunch.ca. Hello That's at mycareerlaunch.ca. That's the one. And then we'll be able to provide more information. So anybody who wants to sign up, just drop us an email. But also, if you want to find out a little bit more about this, also send an email to that address and we can then provide more information for you. Sue Christensen, co-founder of My Career Launch. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Much appreciated. My pleasure. It's great to speak to you. And Lee Mitchell, female talent recruiter and promoter and brand strategist, founder of Be Happy HR Co., also known as the Queen Bees. Lee, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks. Great, great questions. Thanks so much. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation. In our next segment, we are going to give away the $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia pizza based on your stories about naps. But in the meantime, as wildfires continue to burn and thousands have to leave their homes, we heard over the weekend from Global's Anya Nazaravich on groups that are working to help rescue animals that are left behind. Well, Brett, one such organization is Feed the Fur Babies Canada, and its media director is Megan Heikert. Good morning, Megan. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for doing the work that you do. It, it's uh, obviously uh, something that's uh, un, you know very needed right now. So tell us a little bit about what your organization is doing to help out these, uh, and I love the name, Fur Babies. <laughs> uh, so right now we're collecting donations to bring up to the evacuated communities. Um, we're working with four different communities right now. Some we have to send by plane, um, and others we're driving up ourselves, and we're taking it out there and setting up feeding stations and bringing out water um, for all the animals that are still in the community, cats, dogs, even fed some bears last time we were out there. So we're just trying to help however we can. Why are these animals being left behind? So this is the most difficult part of the situation we find is that Um, Unfortunately, there really are no plans for pets when it comes to evacuations, and this is something that we deal with every wildfire season. A lot of these communities are extremely isolated, and they're evacuated either by plane or by bus, and the buses and the planes don't allow pets on them, and neither do the hotels. When you're evacuating these communities, they're starting with the elders and people with health conditions, and, you know, I, I guess their thought process is that, for every dog we put on that plane is a, a person in need who can't go. So unfortunately, animals just aren't part of the evacuation plan. Oh boy. That, I mean, that's tough, really tough to hear, Megan. I mean, I know the connections I have with my pets. They're, they're like members of the family. So that's got to be extraordinarily difficult for those being evacuated and, and the emotional uh, scars and difficulty of, of leaving their, their, their pets behind has to be uh, immeasurable. In fact, Absolutely. It's it's utterly heartbreaking. It's difficult for us, 
we can't even imagine how difficult it is for those people who had to make that decision. And, you know, we're, we're eager to help however we can. And we get a lot of messages, um, you know, from people asking if we've seen their pets, how they're doing, and if we can send any updates. So um, we're really grateful that we're able to, to have that communication and that bond with people that we can give them a little bit of peace in this uh, really crazy, unfortunate time. So do the animals get reunited with their owners once uh, they, they get the green light to go back home? Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're working towards. Um, we've worked with Canine Advocates Manitoba and pulled out um, dozens, I can't even keep track at this point, of dogs and cats that are in their foster homes right now. And as soon as the evacuees go back, they will be able to, um, we'll bring their pets back home for them as soon as it is safe to do so. So um, foster homes is something desperately needed right now because there are still more animals that need to come in. Oh, I bet there are. So uh, when these uh, pets are are when you when when you see them, what sort of condition are they in, Megan? You know, for the most part, they're they're in really good condition because the evacuation only did happen about a week ago. Um, we have seen some that have suffered from smoke inhalation. Um, I would say it's the wildlife that we're seeing more severe outcomes. Um, I think, you know, just due to the drought prior to the wildfires, the wildlife was already struggling. So this has definitely made it a lot worse. So with the pets that have to be left behind, are they like, where do they, where are they left? Like, do you just find them roaming about in the community? Or are they still in inside the homes? Like if they've been alone for seven days, what, where, where are they? They are left outside. That is the safest place for them. If they were to be left in homes or tied up and the fires were to continue to grow, they they could become a victim to the fire. So loose is the safest. And again, this is a worst case scenario. No one wants to be in a position where they're just leaving their pet loose. But that's unfortunately the reality of what's being dealt with. So what we are finding is many communities do have people who have made the decision to stay despite the evacuation. And they are helping their families, their neighbors, and they're keeping an eye on the pets that were left behind. A lot of the people we talked to were caring for, you know, 15 to 20 dogs by themselves just to try and help their, their community members. Boy, oh boy. What, what can the rest of us do to help? We need a lot more food. Um, that's the biggest thing we're in need of right now. We have lovely partners across Winnipeg that are collecting donations for us. You can find all of the businesses that are participating on our Facebook page at Feed the Fur Babies Canada. Um, and we, we desperately need more food to take out. We've literally sent out thousands of pounds of food, and they're expecting this evacuation to last at least three weeks um, just due to the smoke, the continuing fires, and also there's no power. Some of the communities don't even have running water right now. So um, we're looking to feed a lot of pets for several weeks, maybe even more. So um, food donations are definitely desperately needed and very appreciated. Megan Highkurt, Media Director for Feed the Fur Babies Canada. Once again, more information on their Facebook page. Megan, thank you very much for taking a couple of minutes to tell us about this. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. We appreciate you guys helping us. And we also had have some more information as well at cjob.com and globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg. As mentioned, uh, Global Zanya Nazaravich uh, took a look at this over the weekend. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on holiday. Speaking of Santa Lucia Pizza, we got that $20 gift certificate to give away based on your text messages about naps. I was telling you earlier this morning, 
took a nap on my balcony in a zero-gravity chair. It was wonderful. And we just thought, let's have a conversation about naps, the best place you ever fell asleep and took a nap, or maybe the worst nap. And Steve has told us a bunch of great stories, including here's another one, once fell asleep at a board meeting. So I salute you, Steve, because I do this all the time. But I got a standing ovation when I awoke, (laughs) says Steve. So Steve says, but you know how your head can bob when you sleep sitting up? You know, when you start bobbing for apples and your head's bobbing back and forth. Uh, Don't fall asleep at a meeting, says Steve, because you might get elected to something when the bobbing of your head while you nap may be taken as acquiescence to the nomination. (laughs) Don't laugh, he says. It's happened to me. (laughs) I know we referenced friends already on this program once. I'll do it again. I think that's how Chandler ended up moving to Oklahoma City. He was asleep at a meeting and and by accident volunteered to to move there. So... (laughs) Wow, that's right. I forgot about that. Good. I forgot about the whole Oklahoma City thing. Wow. Uh, and then I'll, I'll just quickly read Andy's, Greg, and then you uh, take us home with the winner here uh, because Andy's is along the couch potatoes line. Andy says, I'm a huge, huge fan of the film Blade Runner. I've watched it at least twice a year since the late 80s. I was beside myself when I learned the sequel was coming out in 2017. Well, not a fan, I made my wife watch the original the night before we went to the VIP theater to watch the sequel. We enjoyed a burger and a couple of beers before the show. Well, as I've come to learn, I was out like a light barely 15 minutes into the movie. My wife claims she tried waking me with no luck. I finally came around in the last five minutes. I had no idea I fell asleep and tried blaming the missus for not waking me. I've since watched the sequel about 20 times, but I missed out on that theatrical experience. Note to self, no big meals, maybe no alcohol before a movie. Well done, Andy. You were in the running, as was our friend Dan, who shared his story of taking his son to Grand Forks to see Kiss for his very first concert. But another concert in Grand Forks edges out Dan's text for the win here. Good morning, guys. So I have a story about my boyfriend. He would go on a hockey tournament every year in Grand Forks. This one year, a few years back, him and his buddy were downtown walking around and came across someone selling tickets to Elton John, fourth row. Of course, they couldn't pass it up. Well, as you know, by the time... Oh, pardon me. As you know, with most hockey tournaments, there's a lot of partying and and frothy ones when the boys are all together equaling late nights. By the time they got to the concert and got to their seats, the show started. Fifteen minutes in, my boyfriend all of a sudden decided to doze off a little. (laughs) The security guard immediately came up to him and said, hey, you're not passing out here. And he replied, I'm not passing out. I'm just having a little nap. To which the security guard said to him, not at Sir Elton John, you're not. (laughs) They still laugh about it today. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Loyal listener, Carrie Lynn. So congratulations, Carrie Lynn. You are our winner today. You will not fall asleep at Sir Elton John, (laughs) sir. Not today. Good day. Carolyn, well done. Great story. Great stories to all. Thanks, as always, for playing along. And uh, reminder, to get in on the total floors, the total flooring contest, Wars on Floors, send us a picture of a floor that needs repair, and maybe if we pick your picture, you will be featured on our 680 CJOB Instagram story, which means you're our qualifier, and maybe you could get that $750 gift card, which we're giving away on Friday. So text us those pics at 204-780-6868.
Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week as we continue to inch towards a post-pandemic Manitoba and enjoy one great summer. We're always looking for ideas to share with you on how you can get back out there and have some fun in a safe way. And let's be honest, there are several ways to do this. Uh, Winnipegers, Manitobans love to be outdoors, and downtown Winnipeg biz is always full of ideas with some cool events that help you explore your city. You can be a tourist in your own town and support local while doing it. We're joined now by Susan Ainley, also known as downtown peggy good morning peggy hey how are you guys doing fantastic uh enjoying your twitter feed as always always <laughs> so positive and bringing to light the things going on in downtown of course we know how hard hit the downtown has been over yes, the yes. course of the pandemic but boy oh boy is it ever great to see people out and about at patio fest last weekend oh, honestly it was i mean I'm speechless. It was wonderful. Winnipeggers came out for it, and I was all about it. So, um, of course, I was running from patio to patio as part of my job, which is, I mean, sounds like a real hardship, I know. And it was just so wonderful seeing groups of friends out together, people all dressed up. There was a group of girls in front of me and that were walking down Graham between Tavern United going to Rudy's. And they were like, oh, it's so nice to dress up and go out. And I feel like it was probably one of the first times this group of girls had been able to do that all together in a while. And it just made me feel really wonderful. So um, so now I'm determined to continue uh, to make this a summer of patios. And we're doing a patio and mural tour that we're, that we're running throughout the summer. Our very, very first one actually starts on uh, Saturday of the long weekend. So if you're not someone who was fortunate to have a lakeside kind of situation or able to get a camping spot, come and join me on a fantastic tour of downtown patios. Check out some lovely downtown murals and have some fun. So the tour this weekend starts at 1 o'clock. It runs from 1 until 5. Uh, yeah. So for the, this particular week, Weekend's itinerary. What's on tap? I love that you say on tap because I can absolutely tie into that. We actually end our tour at Lake of the Woods Brewery, so on tap indeed. But we are starting out at Capitol on Broadway, which is one of my favorite spots. It has a really beautiful on the side of the mural on the side of the building, so uh, we'll check that out as well. From there, we're going to look at some murals. It's about we do about an hour long walk. Bring water with you, folks, and then we stop off at Shannon's Irish Pub. They have a really sweet little patio that's right in the Japanese Gardens. It's across from um, the RBC Convention. Center, so a lot of folks maybe have seen the garden, but maybe not, and so it's really cute. We're stopping off there, and then, like I said, we end up at Lake of the Woods Brewery at uh, Harger Street Market in Turner Square. So, yeah, beautiful. We're we're very excited. Um, at each stop, you'll get something to eat and a drink. At the Lake of the Woods Brewery stop, you get a flight of beer, and then you can pick your favorite and get a take-home crowler because there isn't food at that stop, although you can purchase it at Hargrave Street Market. So, yeah, and all of the money from the ticket price actually goes to the restaurants. So it is a great way to support the local restaurants in kind of one one deal. Um, I am also encouraging folks, of course, to tip along the way, to tip our servers. A lot of them have not been working and have only recently come back, and I know so many places are running a little bit short-staffed. So if we can help 
spread the love while we go through downtown. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. I was uh, in Montreal about, I guess it's four years ago now, Peggy, and and one of the things we did was to do one of these walking tours of old mm. Montreal, but it incorporated stops at these little restaurants or pubs or bakeries. I think there was five on the tour nice. that we did, and I thought, geez, we really need this in Winnipeg. So how wonderful to see this come to fruition in our city because we have such a terrific variety of different places to go, uh, different foods, different uh, beverages, and, and these options now on these tours. So you're you're not replicating these tours, the same tour over and over because uh, over the course of the next few weeks, you have different places to visit. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, so every tour is a unique combination of restaurants. There are a couple that we hit more than once, but for the most part, it's a completely different. Well, it is a completely different lineup each time. We have so many patios in downtown and places um, that didn't have patios now suddenly do. So one of the places that we're stopping at is Highs, which has their, their pop-up patio right at Portage and Main. How wonderful is that? So we're able to go to, to there on the August 14th tour. Um, yeah, so I, I actually do have someone that as soon as I launched the tours, him and a friend bought two tickets to each one of my five tours. <laughs> Shout out to Ryan. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All in. <laughs> That's some yeah. solid planning for the summer. Now the, I know, I love it, yeah. Now these murals, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's my understanding that some of the murals were the result of some uh, unique collaboration that had to happen due to the pandemic. Am absolutely, I- yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So um, we're going to visit some of the 2019 wall-to-wall mural fest murals, but we're also going to look at the 2020 um, mural fest murals. So... Obviously, 2020, what, what Synonym Art Consultation and Graffiti Arts, who, who run wall-to-wall, normally they bring in mural artists from around the world who then mentor local artists to paint these large-scale murals on the side of buildings. Um, of course, last year they couldn't do that, so they did an open call, and so artists from around the world, again, submitted uh, pieces that were then reproduced digitally, and then their panels that have been mounted on different buildings and places throughout downtown. So we're going to have a look at some of those as well. Absolutely. Some wonderful, wonderful murals, not only just downtown, but all over the city of Winnipeg. We are very fortunate in some of the public art that I'm coming across in my walks and trying to get out and back out into the community. It's great that you're highlighting these things, Peggy. How can people get uh, tickets? Do they they need to uh, connect in person or is there a way to do this all online? Oh, yeah, do it all online. It's the easiest, honestly. And if you go to the downtownwinnipegbiz.com website, it's on our slider. So it's actually the second thing. The first one is a survey about downtown. So please, if you have the time, do that. Uh, Give your input as to what we would like to see downtown. And then the second Second thing along that is the tours, and you can go and see which what the lineups are for each date and pick the date that you would like to go. Um, but, you know, if you're not doing anything this long weekend, come hang out with me. It'll be a good time. That Lake of the Woods beer, that's brewed right downtown, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And normally um, we were having... 
um, we would have a tour of that facility, but it is rather small and tight. So we're still not doing that quite yet, but I'm really hopeful with the way things are going that come fall, we'll be able to fit having a tour of the brewery facility as part of tours that we do. Downtown Peggy from downtown Winnipeg Biz joining us live on 680 CJOB. Peggy, a pleasure as always. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so there's going to be tours, as she mentioned. The first one is this Saturday, July 31st. It runs from 1 until 5. So that's actually, you know, that's a good way to start your Saturday, GMAC. No By 5 o'clock, you're off and running. Yeah, well, mm, 5 o'clock, that's a late start for guys <laughs> like you and I. Last Friday, it was 3 o'clock and uh, went through right until uh, about 11 o'clock. On, on Friday night. So, yeah, look, downtown Winnipeg, as I mentioned off the top, has obviously struggled mightily throughout this pandemic. But there are some incredible places for you to visit these patios, as Peggy mentioned. Yes, there are some patios that you know about. There are also ones that never existed before. So really a great opportunity to get reacquainted with the downtown, to come down, try some incredible food, some incredible drink, unique tour opportunities. Uh, uh, good on good on those uh, downtown Winnipeg biz for, for making this sort of thing happen. I think it's brilliant. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.